My name is Erskine Bell, the host of the Black Self-Sabotage Trap podcast. This podcast takes an honest look at why so many Black Americans continue to lag behind all other groups in so many areas. Is this a byproduct of racism? Or is it largely due to the influence of Black culture, Black self-sabotage? Power is in tearing human minds to pieces and putting them together again in new shapes of our own choosing. George Orwell in his book, 1984. Today's episode is entitled, Blame It on the Police. Is the police our biggest problem? It seems that whenever you look on social media, there is always some post of a black person getting killed by the police. Are they out to get us? What's going on? Let's find out. About four years ago, late on one Saturday evening, I was having a session at the facility with four youth that had their session with me late in the day. The police knocked on the back door. I went back to see what was going on, opened the door, and the police asked that I have any ID. I said, yes, it is back inside, and invited them to come inside. But when we got inside, the female officer, it was a man, woman, the female officer pulled her gun. And when she pulled her gun, I sat down in the chair and said to them, you're making me very nervous that you have pulled your gun. You asked me for my ID. Why are you here? And they wanted to see my ID, so I told them that my ID was there on the table. The officer went over, took my ID out, and he asked me why was I here. I explained to him that I was the person that owned the facility and instructed him to go over to my office. If he opened the drawer, there would be a lease inside with my name on it that matched the signature that's on the driver's license. And if he looked up on the wall, there would be a license from the state of Florida that had my name on it. So when he returned, after looking at those things, he asked the other officer to put her gun away and asked me, did I have any drugs in the facility? So I let them know that when the psychiatrist is not there, that there are no drugs on the facility at all. And by that time, the young men that I had up in the front room, they had came back to see what all the commotion was about. And all of a sudden, I sort of lost control at that point. They start saying, I told you that's how they are. Popo roll up in here, then pull the guns out on you. What did you do? So to calm things down, I asked the police to step outside with me and ask them if they could come back in and explain to the young men, because I told them that they were in the juvenile system and I was in talking with them, telling them that the police was their friend, trying to debunk many of the theories that they had. And now, because they came inside and had pulled their guns on me, that it would set a bad example. So I asked them to come back in and join our group. 
and explained to them what I had done that provoked them to pull their guns. And they said that they were really busy. They needed to make their rounds. They took a rain check, promising that they would come back one day and be a part of the group. So the question today is, do police have it in for us? It makes a lot of sense until you think about it. When you start to look into these claims, set your feelings aside, and just look at the facts. You might want to believe that your child got into trouble because they were associated with a bad group of kids. But the truth of the matter could be that your child is the ringleader of the bad group. That would be hard to swallow, but sometimes that's the way it works out. After the movie Roots came out, I told my dad, We should look into our family's roots. He smiled and said, boy, if you're happy with what you've been told about your family, just leave it alone. If I were you, I wouldn't look into it. You might find out stuff that would be tough for you to live with. Just stay dumb and happy. When it comes to police violence, Have you ever looked into it yourself? Or have you just been going along with what people have told you on what was happening? When I looked at the FBI report from 2019, dealing with crime, here's what I found. In the six-year period from January the 1st, 2015 through December the 31st, 2020, there were 5,949 people killed by the police. 1,396 of them were black men, which makes up 25% of that number. 3,023 were whites, 51%. Hispanics, 1,089, 18%. That was according to the Washington Post which has tracked this data in their police shooting database. And you can see immediately that black men only represented 25% of the total number of people that the police killed. Now that 1,396 is the total over a five-year period. In that five years, Police had 37 million contacts with black people. So if you take the 1,396 and divide that by 37 million, you get 0.0000003773%, roughly. Very small amount you almost have a greater chance of being struck by lightning than being killed by a police officer. So why all the fuss about how many people that the police killed every year that are black? 
As I continued to read the report, the writer wrote, But the claim is that there is a racial factor that increases the rate of police shooting for blacks. Let us examine the violent crime statistics among blacks. It is universally understood that most criminals and victims are of the same race. Therefore, we can assume in most cases that if the person committing the crime is black, the victim is likely black. And here are the numbers of blacks arrested by violent crime categories in 2019. Murder, 4,078. Rape, 4,427. Robbery, 29,677. Aggravated assault, 91,000. 164. All of this happened in one year alone. Remember, in five years, police killed roughly 1,300 something. In one year, blacks, 4,078. There were three times as many blacks raped, 21 times as many robbed. 65 times as many violently assaulted as there were killed by police in the six years report combined. Whatever improvements are needed, the argument that the police are hunting down black men is unsubstantiated and can be easily disproved with an honest analysis of facts. So, Why don't the race pimps in our community never tell us the truth? They gaslight issues. They come in, they tell us that we need to have a march, that this thing is really bad. In the end, they raise money, they go home, nothing changes. So, why do we spend so much of our time protesting police violence when we, Black people do more violence against our people than anyone else. Where's the accountability? You see, we spend all of our time trying to fix a problem that is out there when the problem that we face is internal. Black folks have deep spiritual beliefs. So let me quote Jesus on this issue. Jesus said in Matthew 7, he said, Why do you look at that small piece of wood in your brother's eye and do not see the big piece of wood in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take this small piece of wood out of your eye when there is a big piece of wood in your own eye? You who pretend to be somebody you are not. First, take the big piece of wood out of your own eye. Then you can see better to take the small piece of wood out of your brother's eye. The question before us today is should not we spend most of our efforts on fixing the big problems in our community as opposed to spending all of our time? Marching about issues outside of our community.
Should we not spend more time on the murders, the rapes, the violent assaults, the lack of education within our community, rather than spending almost all of our time protesting the police? Where will we get the most bang for our buck? And another article that I was reading that I thought that was relevant to this discussion, it was taken from a book called Race Crazy by Charles Love. He states, You can give people mountains of such statistics, but facts no longer seem to matter in the face of the toxic racist cop narrative. A second problem with this cop bad, suspect good bias is that it ignores, excuses, or condones bad, often criminal behavior by some black suspects when interacting with police to prove racism is pervasive. In June of 2020, the police were called to a Wendy's because a black man there had fallen asleep in the drive-thru. He was blocking the drive-thru lane. He was just drunk. And when the police came, they gave him a sobriety test that he failed. He then got into a fight with the police officers, took the taser from them, fired it at one of the officers who was chasing him. Now, how a drunk man is able to beat up two police officers is a story for another time. But he got into a fight with the police officers, took the taser, fired the taser at them, and in the end, the police fired a shot, ended up killing him. This was followed by riot and protest. Even ended up in the Wendy's where this took place. Someone burned down the Wendy's. What were they rioting and protesting about? The police had every right to shoot him. But somehow in our community, when we take these types of positions on these types of things, we set the wrong example for the young people that are coming behind us. In this case, we should support the police. One day, I was stopped by the police, and I thought that it was an unjust stop. I was training for the Cross Florida cycling event. It's 178 miles. And I train at a place called the Van Fleet Trail. If you go from beginning to end, if you include the extension, it is 36 miles. So if you go all the way down and back, it's 72 miles. I would do it twice, go down and back, 72, go down and back, 72, 144. And then I would go down 20 miles and come back for another 40 miles. So at the end of the day, I would do 184 miles, would take me about nine hours of riding time. I always try to finish up by five o'clock at the latest because there are some signs out there. When I see 13 stars and a flag, it says to me, don't be caught out here at night. So I had finished up about five o'clock, drank my two Cokes, ate four Twinkies, 
got in my little truck, came out to Highway 50. I looked, I saw a car way down the road, so I turned out on the road. And when I had gone about 50 yards, that car I had seen way down the road was the police. I had gone about 50 yards. He rolls up behind me, puts his siren and lights on, and pulls me over. Sitting on the side of the road, he stays in his car for about 15 minutes. Then he gets out, and he walks over to the driver's side. I already have the window down. And he says, license and registration, please. When I went to reach over to open my glove box, I noticed that his partner was already standing on that side of the car with his gun drawn. So I looked back at the officer. I said, sir, I would like to obey your order that you just gave, but your partner already has his gun drawn, and I'm not going to reach over there and open up the glove box. I'll just keep my hands here on top of the wheel. I said, since my window is down, You can handcuff me, and then he can look inside. If you like, you can open the door, and I'll lay down or walk down the road, but I'm not reaching over there because he already has his gun out. And he said, well, you can reach over there. I said, no, not as long as he has his gun out. So he says, Chuck, put your gun away. So I said to him, I'm going to reach over with these two fingers, and I'm going to unlock the glove box, and I'm going to reach it back across to you. So I gave it to him, and he looked at it, and then he said to me, Do you know why I pulled you over? I said, No, sir, I don't. He said that you were speeding. And I said, Officer, it would be impossible for me to be speeding. I said, You put your lights on me after I've gone about 50 yards from where I turned on the road. I said, is that right? Did you see me turn on the road? He said, yes. I said, if you look back now, we're about 100 yards because it took me 50 yards to come to my stop. So this little truck that I have is a Toyota Tacoma. It's a four-cylinder, and I could not be speeding in 50 yards. It has 210,000 miles on it, and even if it were brand new, in 50 yards, I would only be up to about 35 miles an hour. This is a five-speed stick. And he said, well, I clock you going 65. I said, now look, you could not have clocked me because you were behind me, so you were using a methodology called pacing. I said, now, if you take your speed, and divide that by one plus the distance you were behind me initially, divided by the distance you traveled to get to my bumper, you will get my speed. So if you go back and look in your car at the speed that you were traveling and the distance that you say you clocked me, you will determine that the speed was about 35 or 36 miles an hour. I said, if you look back, it's only 100 yards to where I turned on. It's impossible for me to be speeding. He just looked at me, smiled, and said, well, just keep it down. And he let me go. I was a little disappointed because I was hoping that he would let me see his pacing system in his car 
and we could have done the math together, but he just let me go. Now, I believe that had I acted differently, if I was not polite, if I did not show them respect, that things could have happened differently. But today, I'm alive to talk about it. Now, all police are not bad. My car has broken down and police have given me a ride before. The police sometime, when they catch children in trouble, they would bring them by the center for me to talk and work with as opposed to arresting them. The local police in my community where I live, they provided tremendous emotional support to me and my family after my son's accident where he was struck by a police car. But here's the problem. As in the medical profession, 3% of all doctors account for 97% of the malpractice. With the police, yes, there are some bad apples, but not all. The good must not have any tolerance for the bad because of the police trust that they've been given. In my son's case, His car was struck by a police car going 130 miles an hour. What came out in the trial was, after we got the police record was, this guy had been ticketed 11 times for excess speed, for no purpose at all, going fast for the sake of going fast. So, had the good police not tolerated this behavior, He would not have been on the force. But again, all police are not bad. Yes, some can be total jerks, but most are not. And that is just the way that it is. But our community, we have bigger problems than the police. Most of our problems are caused by the man in the mirror. Us. There's an old proverb that says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. There must be a new revolution for our community. There needs to be a call to action. This is the time for us to enter a new era where blackness becomes synonymous with greatness. Thanks for tuning in today. Remember, we are the masters of our own destinies. If you enjoyed the episode today and would like to be made aware when new episodes are posted, please subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Or you can visit us at BlackSelfSabotageTrap.com. We would love to hear from you. Send us your comments about our show by using the website contact page to send us an email or clicking on the microphone icon to send us a voice message. Cheers.